Uh, we want to just continue now to worship the Lord through the study of His Word together. So if you've got a Bible, you can grab that and turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapters 1 and 2. So we're going to Old Testament today. Uh, so first third of your Bible there, you'll find 1 Samuel uh, 1 and 2. I don't usually do a special Mother's Day or Father's Day message. In fact, in the five or six years of our church, this, I think this is the very first Mother's Day message that I've done. So you're, you're in for... I don't know if that's a treat or if that's a problem, but whatever it is, like you're going to get it today. Um, and so um, we're going to look at the story of Hannah here in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2 and see what lessons we can learn from her about um, godly motherhood. And uh, if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. If you need a Bible, by the way, there's some hardback black ones there in the chairs around you. You can grab one of those and follow along online. Welcome. We're glad you're here worshiping with us as well. And uh, as we press into this text together this morning. So, you know, our world, our culture has lots of opinions, lots of ideas um, about motherhood and what it means to be a mom, what that looks like, what that should be like. Um, And so I was kind of just thinking about that this week, and I I found a definition uh, that I felt kind of best summarized our, you know, American expectation or the American view of what motherhood is. And so I'm going to read it for you this morning. You can see if you agree or not. Uh, It says this, Mom, one who sacrifices her body, sleep, social life, spending money, eating hot meals, peeing alone, patience, energy, and sanity for love. Um, I know I've seen many of those sacrifices come to life in our home at various times with my wife and our girls, and, um, and I think this is the reason why we tend to think of sacrifice as the primary lens through which we view motherhood, right? That's kind of like the big banner that we think about a lot of times in our culture over the idea of motherhood is this idea of sacrifice, and some people affirm that, um, think that, yeah, that's the way it should be, that's good. Some people bemoan that um, idea that that's too much, you know, it, they, they argue that that's an unfair or unrealistic expectation to put on women or mothers. Others try to infuse it with meaning, right? Like, yes, but one day you're going to see the fruit of this as your children grow into wonderful adults. And oftentimes I feel like it's maybe even just met with some empty encouragement of, you know, it's okay, just hang in there. You're going to get through this. It's just a season, right? It's been a season for 12 years, but it's just a season, just keep going, it's going to be okay. And I'm not trying to downplay sacrifice, because sacrifice is a real, real part of motherhood, it is. But biblically, it was never meant to be the defining quality of a good, healthy, God-glorifying mother. Sacrifice is not the primary label or banner that is put over motherhood in the Bible. Sacrifice only honors the Lord when it is the overflow, not the primary focus. And so we're going to see that from Hannah today and her examples in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, that biblical motherhood is more about surrendering to the Lord than sacrificing for your family. Sacrifice isn't bad. It's good. But it's not primary. The primary thing that you're called to as a mother 
is to surrender yourself and all that you've been called to to the hands of the Lord and following him and then let everything else flow from that. So let's look at Hannah's example here in 1 Samuel chapter 1. As we start, we'll pick up in verse 1 here. It says, There was a certain man of, of, of Ramathaim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, uh, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. And therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed, and she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of the great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. All right, so let's pause there. It's kind of a long story, but there's a lot in here that we can learn from Hannah. Here's the first lesson that I want you to see. Surrender your pain for comfort from the Lord. Surrender your pain for comfort from the Lord. There is a certain pain that comes with motherhood. Um, motherhood is a beautiful blessing from the Lord. It is a beautiful gift, but it also comes with a lot of pain at times, physical pain, Emotional pain, relational pain, psychological and spiritual pain, all of these things play out in that relationship, in those roles. Whether you are a mother, whether you were a mother at some point, whether you hope to be a mother one day, you can experience this pain in various ways. And we see here in Hannah's example, Hannah's story, four specific pains of motherhood that she's dealing with. 
So I want to just point those out real briefly here for you this morning. The first one we see is the pain of comparison. The pain of comparison comes from verse 2, where it says, Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this is very pointed right here, and there's, there's this pain of comparison that, that's leading to discontent in Hannah. She's looking and she's comparing herself to Peninnah. She says, I don't have what she has. I don't have her children. Right? Maybe that's not exactly you today. Maybe you have children, but maybe it's I don't have well-behaved children like them. Or I don't have healthy children like they do. Or I don't have normal children like the rest of the world. I don't have their Instagram life. And there's this pain of comparison that leads to a discontent in the heart of the mom. The second pain we see here with Hannah is the pain of failure. Pain of failure in verse 5. It says to Hannah, talking about her husband, Elkanah, he says to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And although he's trying to be kind and gracious towards her, I have to think that it probably added just some insult to injury and it put an exclamation point on Hannah's recognition that she was failing to give children to her husband and feeling the weight of that, feeling the disappointment that comes with failure. I'm not good enough. I can't fulfill my role. I'm, I'm letting down the ones that I love and just feeling that pain of failure weighing on her day after day. There's a third pain we see here for Hannah. It's the pain of criticism. Verse 6 says that her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So Peninnah is kind of rubbing it in. She's taking her jab. She's being critical of Hannah and her barrenness. And this pain of criticism leads to doubt in the heart of the mom. I'm worthless. I can't do anything right. What's the point of all this? If I can't even fulfill this simple role, this simple job, how am I, how's this worth anything? And she feels that constant jab of criticism and doubt, self-doubt. And then the fourth pain we see here is the pain of insensitivity. In verse 8, Okana, her husband, comes to her and he says, Hannah, why, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart telling? Like it sounds like he's trying to be like helpful and, and comforting and come alongside her. And then, and then he says, am I not more to you than ten sons? Guys, wrong thing to say. Right? Like that's just, no. Like that's, it's not about you, dude. Like, like all of a sudden he takes all of her pain and he turns it back to, like, ain't I enough for you? Like what is the problem here? And he's insensitive to what she's walking through. And this leads to this feeling of being deserted in her pain. Right? That, that I'm all alone in this. No one understands me. Even my husband doesn't get it. Right? And so she's walking through all of this pain, all this suffering in her life. And these pains, they're a reality for a lot of people, for a lot of mothers. They're, they're unavoidable because... We live in a broken world. We have sin in us and in all those around us, and it creates these kinds of issues, these kinds of struggles, this kind of pain in our lives. 
and they weigh you down day after day. And so, if that's reality, then what is the answer? What's the solution? Well, look, look at what Hannah does in verse 10. It says, she was deeply distressed, she was in pain, she was struggling, and she prayed to the Lord. That was her response. That was her answer to the pain of motherhood. It was the comfort of God. She turned to God for help. In her deep distress, she started to pray unto the Lord. And it says in verse 11 that she vowed, which basically means she's like playing, let's make a deal with God. Okay, like, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this for you, which is not always the best play. Let me just tell you up front, like, that's not always the best way to go. But she's desperate, right? She's just desperate for some kind of relief, for something to happen. And so she's praying, she's seeking the Lord, she's seeking his help. And in verse 13, it says, Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved. All right, and her voice was not heard, and so therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. So she's in the temple, she's on her knees, she's praying in her heart, and her mouth's going, but nothing's coming out. Eli's like, this, this woman's, she's gone. All right, like, she's toasted. And he's like, woman, stop drinking, what is wrong with you? And she responds, and she says, no, 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 my Lord, I am not drunk. I am a woman troubled in spirit. Her pain is so strong that she's, it's coming out physically in her body, that people can see it on her. She says, I'm not, I just need comfort in this pain. She says, I've neither drunk wine nor strong drink. I'm not looking for my comfort in these other worthless, empty things, like alcohol or whatever else you want to fill in that hole with. Like, I'm not, I'm not going there for comfort. No, I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm not drinking in. I'm pouring out, she says. I'm emptying my soul that is full of pain before the Lord so that he can fill me up, so that he can fill me with the comfort that I've been missing. Hannah was in full surrender to the Lord in the midst of her pain. Not afterwards, right in the middle. So Eli responds in verse 17, he says, okay, go in peace and may God grant your petition. Which is kind of interesting because she was just praying silently, like not out loud. So he doesn't even know what she prayed for. Right? Like she, he has no idea what she just asked for. He's, he's like, I can see whatever it is, you need it. Right? So like, go and may God grant your petition. I see your heart. She, he saw that her heart was in full surrender before the Lord. And he said, may God grant your petition. And I love what happens next. It says, then the woman went her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. And she arose early the next morning and worshipped. In that moment of desperation, of pain, of struggle, she's on her knees before the Lord, and she receives the comfort of God. Not because he fixed the problem. She still doesn't have a son. The problem hasn't been fixed. The pain hasn't necessarily went away, but in the midst of it, she's already, before the answer to the prayer comes, she's already receiving the comfort of God because she has surrendered herself to him in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the issue. She knows that she can surrender into his sovereign and good hands. And so she walks away, no longer sad, 
and able to worship again. You know, and if you've been around, you, you probably already know this, but we have, we have three girls in our house. Um, and so we, that means basically um, there is lots of crying. Like all the time. Um, sometimes it's me. Um, but like, it's just, it's just all the, like it's just, and especially when they were younger, right? Like it, it's just what's constant. And if they got hurt in any way, right, stubbed a toe or broken arm, doesn't matter which end of the spectrum, it was all out emotional meltdown. And you would have thought, you know, that they were in just, just completely inconsolable because of their extreme physical and emotional pain in those moments. And you couldn't do anything to help them until mom showed up, right? And all of a sudden, mom's secret touch or the magical kisses or whatever it was, right, like, It made it all better, and the wounds would magically start to heal, even though in reality, nothing had changed, right? There's still blood coming out. There's still things that are broken. Like, nothing physically has changed in their body, and yet, all of a sudden, things are going to be okay. Because in the midst of their pain, they're receiving the comfort of their mother. We all, mothers, fathers, male, female, whatever your spot is in life right now, we all experience pain and suffering and struggle in this life. That's part of it. We're living in a broken and fallen world. But in the midst of that pain, we can find comfort if we will take our pain to the right person. Moms, you are really really good at giving comfort like you excel at comforting others when they're in pain but you also need to receive comfort from the heavenly father don't try to fix your pain don't try to hold on to your pain and hide it don't try to muscle your way through it follow Hannah's example and when the pain is overwhelming When you are desperate, when you are beside yourself, surrender your pain for comfort from the Lord. That's the first way that mothers are called to surrender in Scripture this morning. Two more lessons we want to see from Hannah, though. Let's keep going with her story. So go back to verse 19 in chapter 1. It says, They rose early in the morning, and they worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. Now Cana knew his, Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, and she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man, the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. 
And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah, look at chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. Second lesson from Hannah this morning. Surrender your treasure for joy in the Lord. Surrender your treasure for joy in the Lord. So going back to verse 19 and 20, it says that the Lord remembered Hannah, and in due time she conceived and she bore a son. What an understated statement right there in Scripture. Like Hannah had been praying and, and, and just desperately asking probably for years for a son, and her greatest desire had finally come true. She was going to be a mom. She was going to have the son that she longed for. After years of painful waiting, she had the treasure that she had longed for from the Lord. And it says, so she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. She remembers. She remembers her prayer in the temple. She remembers her promise, right? The, the request and the vow that accompanied it when she said, I will give him to the Lord all of his days. But I have to wonder in that moment when he was finally there, when she was finally holding her only son, was she thinking, okay, I said that, but what does that really mean? Like, I, I will give him to the Lord all of his days. Like, what, what does that look like? Like, couldn't I, couldn't I keep him here with me in the house? I just raise him to love the Lord and worship the Lord, but he can still be here with me and be my son. Like, I don't have to to fully actually give him to the Lord, right? Like, and give him to the Lord's will and to the Lord's control. Like, after all, I am still his mother. I'm not. She was. I just wonder, what's she processing in this moment? And I think sometimes as Christian parents, we can get into this space, this headspace right here, where we love our kids and we want our kids to follow Jesus. We do. We just want them to follow Jesus somewhere safe and hopefully close to home and near us so that we can still be in the life and involved. We want them to follow Jesus as long as we don't have to sacrifice too much of the relationship for them to do it. And so Hannah's wrestling with this, and then in verse 21 it says the yearly sacrifice comes back around, but Hannah didn't go. And she tells Elkanah, like, I, I want to wait until he's weaned. Like, I want to wait until, you know, he's there. And, and you have to wonder at that point, like, is, is she stalling? Like, is she, is she trying to, to back out on her vow? Is she having second thoughts about, like, well, I don't know if I really want to take him and give him up yet. Like, maybe I can just hold just a little while longer. And I think Elkanah kind of picks up on this because he says, okay, all right. Do whatever seems best to you. You're mama, right? Like, if you want to wean him, that's fine. Wean him. Only... May the Lord establish his word. In other words, okay, you can wait until he's weaned. But don't try to play God. Right? Don't try to pull one over on the Lord. Don't try to back out of this in such a way that's going to put you in the crosshairs with God. That's not a good play. But she doesn't. 
in verse 24, she's faithful to her vow. It says, when she weaned him, when the child was still young, probably three years old or younger, so we're talking a toddler still. Imagine like, like the little guys we just saw up here on the stage a few minutes ago, like that age or maybe just a little bit older. And this is all based on the age of the bull that she took, by the way, to sacrifice. She took him to live with the priests in Shiloh, which, by the way, is a long way from Ephraim, okay? So she's taking him all the way across the, 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 the country, the area, to Shiloh to live with the priests, and she surrendered him to the Lord early. Not later. She didn't wait. She didn't put it off. She didn't try to hold on a little bit longer, and God, you're going to have to wait until I'm done with them, and then you can have them. No, she brings him to the Lord, and it says that she surrendered him permanently to the Lord. Not just to the nursery for an hour, not just to daycare for a day or to the babysitter for the night, but she says in verse 28 that I have lent him to the Lord, which is kind of deceptive language there for us. Not like intentionally deceptive, but it just kind of tricks us because when we think of the word lent, we think of like, I'm going to give it to you for a little bit, but then you've got to give it back. Or like, I'm going to lend it to you, and you're going to give it back to me. But that's not what that word means there. The word lent in this context means like I'm dedicating him to the Lord. Some of your versions, some of your translations might even say dedicate him to the Lord. Dedicated him to God, and she held her child with open hands before the Lord. She said, he's yours. Because she knew that God is sovereign and good. She'd already experienced that as a result of her previous prayer, of her surrender in the temple. She'd experienced the goodness and the sovereignty of God, and now she's trusting that same God with her basically newborn son. And she says, as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. This was a permanent release. Because Hannah understood that Samuel belonged to God. She knew that her treasure that she had received was actually ultimately God's treasure. Samuel belonged to God more than he belonged to Hannah. And as parents, as mothers, there's something that you, you have to really continually remind yourself of, I think. We have to continue to go back to this truth that we see over and over again in Scripture, is that God loves our children more than we do. That's hard to fathom, right? Like, like how is that possible? Nobody could love them more than I love them, but he does. He does. And he knows what is best for them. And he's asking you to surrender them to him. You can entrust your children to your heavenly father. Because he's the perfect parent. And I love in chapter 2, verse 1, Hannah goes into this long prayer, song, poem thing. I didn't read all of it, but even just the first line shows us exactly where her heart's at. She says, my heart exalts in the Lord, and I rejoice in your salvation. You see, Hannah, her joy 
is now found in being a daughter of the Lord rather than a mother of Samuel. She thought that's where it was. She thought that's what she needed, right? She was praying and asking, like, if I could just be a mother, then I'll be good. Then I'll have joy. And she's now come to understand that her real joy doesn't come from being a mother. It comes from being a daughter of the Heavenly Father. Because he saw her. He knew her. He blessed her. He loved her. And because she'd experienced this from the Lord, now God has become her greatest treasure. She released her most treasured son that she had been waiting and praying for in order to receive the joy of the greatest treasure in God the Father. You know, sometimes you'll hear, I've heard different conversations or read articles where mothers talk about struggling to find joy in their role. Right, trying to, struggling to find joy in the day-to-day grind of motherhood. Right? It can just kind of zap you at times. And, and many are ashamed, I think, to admit that. Like, they don't want to say it out loud because then like, you might feel judged by that or someone might look down on you like, how dare you not love being a mom, right? Like every moment of every day. Like, but, but it's real. They, you, you feel that at times. And I think sometimes that lack of joy gets correlated to the depth of sacrifice. In other words, the reason I'm, I don't have joy right now is because I've had to give up so much in motherhood. Right? I, had to, I had to sacrifice my body or my looks that I enjoyed when I was younger because of all the motherhood stuff. I had to sacrifice my career in order to raise my kids. I had to sacrifice my time or my hobbies, my pastimes, the things that I love doing. I had to sacrifice money in order to care for them and, and provide for them. Sometimes I think we get this idea that the reason I'm not joyful, the reason I'm lacking my joy right now is because I've had to give up so much stuff to be a mom. And you have. And you think back to, you know, back before they were here, like then I was good, right? Like I, I had joy because I had, I had all this. And if I could just get some of that back, then I would be joyful again. And you, and no doubt, you might be happier at times. You might have some moments of happiness as you get to go back to some of those things that you enjoy, some of those things that you cherished and loved. But it's not going to last. That sacrifice is not the reason that you're lacking joy in that moment of motherhood. It's not your children that are keeping you from joy in your heart. It's what you're treasuring. It's what your heart is longing for that's stealing your joy. You don't need to just go make more time for you. You need to go make more time for you and God. So you can get back to the relationship that fills you with joy. The one that is the greatest treasure that can fill you up when everything else is taking, taking, taking from you that he can actually fill you with something that's worth holding on to and give you joy again. Hannah found that as she released Samuel, and God filled her with the joy of the Lord in that moment. Surrender your treasure, whatever that is, kids or anything else. Surrender your treasure 
for joy in the Lord. Laid at his feet. Let him be the greatest treasure of your heart. One last part to Hannah's story. Look at chapter 2. Go down to verse 18. It says, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition that she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Last lesson this morning is this. Surrender your future for the goodness of the Lord. Surrender your future for the goodness of the Lord. It says here in 18 that Samuel ministered before the Lord. So that means he's living in Shiloh. Right? He's living with the priest. He's serving the Lord in way far away from Ephraim, far away from his mom, far away from the family, far away from, like, let me, let me just tell you, that was not her plan. When she prayed for this young boy, to, when she prayed to have a son, her plan for the future was not, I want to have a son so he can grow up his entire life away from me. No mom has said that. Right? Like, that is not the hope that she had for the future, and yet that's where they are at. And it says she took him a robe at the yearly sacrifice, meaning she saw him once a year. One time a year at the yearly sacrifice, she got to see her son. She missed all the other time of his life, all the other experiences, all the other days. I can almost guarantee you that was not her plan. That was not the desire that she had for the future with her son. In this scenario, in this situation, he is no longer her heir. He is no longer um, her, her, um, part of her immediate family. He's no longer the one that she can count on when she grows old to care for her and to be there and to walk alongside her. All these hopes and dreams that they had for kids during this day and age, all of that is absence. That future is erased not her plan. And yet, Eli, every time they came, every year, he would bless Elkanah and Hannah for their faithfulness to the Lord. He would bless them. He would pray God's favor upon them, which is the greatest thing that she could have asked for. God's blessing God's favor on our lives is greater than ten sons, okay? Like, this is where that actually applies. Like, you said, you thought you wanted a son, you thought you wanted kids, and that's fine. But listen, the greatest thing you can have is not that. It's the blessing and the favor of God on your life because you're walking in faithfulness to him. And Eli prays that on them, and because they were living in obedience, they were experiencing the blessing and favor of God, and that still applies today. If we will walk and live in obedience to God, you can experience the blessing and the favor on your life of God. And whatever his plan is for you, whatever his plan is for your future, whatever his plan is for your family, like it will be the best possible future because it's from the Lord. It's from his hands. 
His plan is always better than our plan. <laughs> always. And because of her faithfulness, it says Hannah bore three sons and two daughters. God blessed her more than she could have even imagined. More than she even thought when she first prayed that prayer asking for a son. Later on in 1 Samuel chapter 26, 23, David says this. He says, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. You see, every time the Lord rewards. When Hannah surrendered her future to the Lord, she got to experience his goodness in ways that she could have never imagined. His favor and his blessing flooded her life, and she experienced the goodness of God. But not just her. Catch the very last line of the story. It says, and Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Because Hannah was willing to surrender Samuel and his future to the Lord, he also got to experience the blessing and the favor of God in ways that he never would have if he wasn't growing up in the house of the Lord. Right? He is there, he is serving, he is growing up as a, as a prophet and a priest for the king. And because of Hannah's surrender, he got to experience the goodness of God in ways that none of her other kids got. You see, when you're faithful, when you're obedient to the Lord, when you are surrendered to the Lord as a parent, you not only get to experience the goodness of God, but your kids get to experience the goodness of God as well. Because he is a perfect father who gives good, good gifts to his children. Surrender your future for the goodness of the Lord. For you and for them. Biblical motherhood is more about surrender to the Lord than sacrificing for your family. Again, sacrifice is good. Sacrifice is not a bad thing. But it's best when it is the overflow of of a surrendered heart to the Lord. That's when it's beautiful. That's when it's infused and full of meaning and glory and gospel is when it comes from a surrendered heart before God. It's about putting God first in your heart, loving Him, following Him, surrendering Him, surrendering to Him. Then His comfort, His joy, His goodness will flood your life. And as it floods your life, moms, it will then overflow into the hearts, into the lives of your family. Mothers, your call is to surrender to the Heavenly Father and walk in the goodness of God. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you this morning. We bow once again, Lord, in your presence. In your grace to us, Lord, you are so good. You are so, so good. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you see us. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to yourself, just like Hannah. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to surrender to you. All that we are, all that we have, 
Lord, that we would truly get to a place where our heart cries out, Lord, that you, you are our greatest treasure. Nothing compares to you, God. You are the one that we want. You are the one that we need. You are our help in times of need and in struggle and pain. Lord, you teach us. You teach us, Lord, that you are the one who makes mothers great when they surrender to you because you are good. Lord, help us to surrender. Help us to see and taste and to experience the goodness of our God as we surrender to you. We pray all this in Christ's name.